The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the speaker and don't necessarily represent those of the station, its staff, management, or ownership. Thanks for tuning in to Clearview Hudson Valley on your favorite local iHeartRadio station. Proudly brought to you each week by Accent Insurance Services, an independent insurance agency helping clients like you save on auto, home, and business insurance. Visit AccentFGInsurance.com for more info. I'm Uncle Mike, and joining me this week in the studio, someone I haven't seen in quite some time. I want to welcome a retired Sergeant Major from the United States Army. Thank you for your service. Sergeant Major Saeed Mustafa. I can call you Saeed. Is that Yes, good? sir. You can. Uncle Mike. Saeed, thanks for coming out. It's good to see you again. It's a pleasure, man. Listen, you, you're a sight for sore eyes, really. Um, <laughs> I don't get that It's like a family well. reunion right now. I haven't <laughs> seen you in almost probably two years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Well, it's, it's been that long for everybody, though. Yeah. You've got a brand new book out, Resilient Transition, that we're going to talk about. But before we get started on the book, I always like the people listening to get a little bit of a background of the voice behind the microphone. So why don't you give us just a little background and tell us what led you up to writing this book? Yeah, okay. So, so Uncle Mike, again, good to see you and, and welcome to your listeners. Um, you know, I was born and raised over in Highland Falls, New York. Joined the military in 1984. Went off to El Paso, Texas for my basic training and, and then ultimately served 30 years. Upon retiring, uh, I returned back home to have my ceremony right at West Point so my parents could be there and lots of family members could be there. And so, so coming out of the military, what I found was it was a challenge for even me with all the information I have, knowledge I have, experience I've had, you know, you know, a bit of a, bit of a struggle in that first year. And so afterwards, I started just contemplating on what, what could I do to snap out of that. And then eventually I found for me it was service, serving others. And, and so, so then I had a couple jobs. I, I was a transition counselor for, for, for other folks leaving the military. I also worked in Army Emergency Relief where I helped people with their financial uh, needs. So all these kinds of things allowed me to observe and then ask questions about other people's transition. And so that's why I came up with this book. Resilient Transition is meant to help people smoothly go back to civilian life after their time in the military. But on a larger scale, Resilient Transition will offer some tools and techniques for others who may have some sort of major transition in their life to help them get through it. You know, it's fascinating. And I, I do a lot of work with a lot of different veterans charities, and I'm exposed to this a lot. And the term that we usually hear is to come all the way home, to get the soldier to come all the way home. And a lot of soldiers don't make it, unfortunately. That's you know, right. It's sad. That's you know, right. You hear that number kicked around about 22 a day committing suicide. Well, that's from 2015. And, and sadly, it's higher than that now. It's up around 28, uh, 28 a year. Yes. And we and they have made a lot of strides. People like you doing what you do have helped. But the biggest problem I see is, you know, I never had the honor of serving. So I was never in the military. And to understand what it's like to be in the military, you've got to be in the military. You've got to go through that. And there's, there's a twofold problem there. That's the first problem. The second problem is most veterans will not trust someone who was not in the military because they believe that they don't understand and you can't understand. I had a soldier tell me once, you know, I was dealing with a group that was dealing with PTS and they had found a, 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 a method that had worked without drugs. Uh, it's a research and recognition project. It's called, and it, it somehow it, I'm not a psychologist, but it would go back and it would take the trauma out of the memory through five or six hours of therapy and it worked. But I had a soldier tell me, he says, go down to the streets of Poughkeepsie 
and walk around for 24 hours and pretend everybody wants to kill you. He says, our guys that were over in the Middle East, in, in, in Iraq, training the soldiers there, that's what it was like. He says, we were bringing the enemy on the base to train them and handing them firearms, and we never knew what was going to happen. He says, do that for a year or two and come home for a little bit and then go back. And then, and then the other problem that a lot of soldiers tell me is, back in the day, if you did one or two deployments, that was a lot. Now these guys are getting deployed 10 and 15 times, some of them. And there's just no way you're going to survive that. Yeah, it's tough, I tell you. Um, and interesting just now, as you just re- conveyed uh, your conversation with someone else and your, your experience with others, I felt my mind kind of going backwards for a second into those times where I was in a place that was not so friendly. Sure. And, and just that quickly, right? So there's certain things that would trigger uh, the memory to go back. And then the question would be, how do we react to that? What behavioral issues comes from that? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if we don't have the right treatment or the right tools and techniques, it could be behaviors that are problematic for us and cause issues. So that's what my book does. Resilient Transitions is not about being perfect. It's about having the ability to bounce back from adversity. So I'm going to show you that there are proven techniques such as music therapy, right? There's a certain impact that the music has on your brain that will calm you down when you have anxiety or you have stress. There's other things that um, meditation, for example, I started to, to use this. And, and all this is available at the VA hospital, Uncle Mike. That's what a lot of people don't know. You know, I learned about yoga at the VA. And so then there's music therapy. There's art therapy. All these things are available for us to take advantage of, but, but we have to know about it first. So that's what I try to do is get out and help, let people know what's available to them. And one of the other problems is anyone who's served in a military, especially for a long time, became part of a unit. And they trusted the people around them. Now, even when they, even the VA, when they come out, they don't trust the people at the VA. To get a veteran to go to the VA sometimes is a real struggle. They, they just resist. They don't right. want to do it. Uh, sometimes, often, I know I've, I've heard it said that sometimes it's the family members that will quote, reach out for help because they see the person struggling. Veterans are very proud, and they should be. That's right. And, they, and the training they go through, they're they're trained to be self-sufficient and they're trained to take care of themselves right. and their fellow soldiers around them. Yes. And it, 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 if you if you start questioning that, you're going to get some pushback. Some of the problem is perception, right? So so we may be in the Army and hear that the VA is not friendly or hear that the VA is not effective mm-hmm. or hear that there was a long waiting list to get in to get seen. And that may deter some folks from even going over there, right? My experience has not been that actually here in New York, thank God. You know, I went here and went over to Montrose and seen immediately and got all the services I need. And I'm frequently going to Castle Point. And so and so here in New York, I think for the most part, at least Mid-Hudson Valley, we got it right. Uh, it may not be the case in some other places, right? So I don't, don't um, underestimate what people are saying about that. But I would tell you this, Uncle Mike, you know, you touched on the fact that we don't necessarily want to trust civilians right away. Well, part of it is just a, a sometimes language barrier, cultural barrier, because the military is an institution that's pretty powerful, and we got our ways of doing things. And so we come out, and we feel like we just don't fit in. And so what I found, the first part for me that allowed me to start to heal was when I met another veteran brother, and he asked me to go to lunch with him. It was when the first time I felt normal, you know, talking to him and sitting and laughing with him and thinking back about our old stories that we tell each other. So you got a good point there. Yeah, I mean, another story, one of the World War II guys, I do a lot with the honor flight, and one of the World War II guys told me, he says, you know, 
I could come home and tell my wife how cold the water was, but this guy was in the water, and he knows right. what I went through. So that that has a lot to do with it. So what led you to write the book? What led me to write the book was, you know, you're already aware that I do this annual event called the Veterans Resiliency All-White Affair. Mm-hmm. We had in 2019, one of the, the, the actual MC came from iHeartMedia mm-hmm. here. Uh, I was supposed to be there, and I didn't make it. Yeah, you missed it. Yeah. So we, we're going to hopefully get that thing running again. Yeah. We had to take off last year for the yeah. pandemic. Sure. So, so, but that event, Uncle Mike, what it did, it allowed us for one night every year to feel like we were back amongst brethren and sisters in the military forces. Mm-hmm. People came from all over the country. In fact, the one in 2019, two people came from Germany. They flew all the way here. We had San Antonio represented. We had Miami. We had Cleveland, Ohio. We had people from all over. Some folks that served with me, others did not. But that night was very joyous. It was camaraderie. And then I do something. I give an award out. It's called the Veterans Resiliency Award. So we select 15 vets and we give them this award. And what I noticed is folks put the chest out a little bit. They are proud to receive that thing. And the next year, that person usually finds somebody else for us to get. And the numbers started to grow. Sure. So then I looked at this book and I said, I get it. we got to figure out how to you know, communicate to larger groups of people to get the word out okay, about the services, the techniques, the tools. And I'm going to share some of my personal experiences, good, bad, and indifferent, mm-hmm. to let people know that, that it's okay to, to be hurting, but, it, but it's not okay to stay that way. Get yourself healed. Get yourself up and live a good quality of life. You can do it. Sure. One of the, uh, the, he's now the director of veteran services here. Adam Roach is a close friend of mine, and he ran the Vet to Vet program here for quite a while. And he has, he he starts every show by saying, every veteran, listen to me, it's okay not to be okay. That's right. And you've got to accept that. And once you accept that, that's the first step. It's the first step. To healing. And it seems pretty simple, but when you think about it, Especially for someone who has been serving, you served for thirty years. Thirty years. So thirty years of doing something one way, you know, having a really detailed day every day, and all of a sudden they flip that switch and it's gone. I tell people the hardest decision I ever had to make is when I decided to retire. Sure. And I said, "Well, where I'm going to live? Where am I going to go to Mississippi, where my daughter is? Am I going to go to Texas, where my son is? Am I going to go to New York, where my mother is?" It was so hard because for 30 years, somebody else told me where I'm going to live. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the other part of that is, and I'm sure you experienced it, is now you make that decision and you decide to go home wherever home is. Now, you're certainly a very different person and everybody you left is different. That's right. Even your family That's is right. different. The people that you relied on aren't the same people anymore. So now you've already got that edge where you're not yeah. trusting people. And you find these people, well, they're not the same anymore. You know, I hate to, even your mother had to have changed. You're spot on. You're spot on, and, Uncle and Mike. And that's got to be so troubling. That was. I didn't anticipate that. What you just described yeah. is what I experienced. I come back. I'm 50 years old now. I've been at the height of leadership in the military. Sure. But the people at home see you as the guy that was 20 years old who left 20, 30 years ago, right? Sure. And, and so oftentimes that's a conflict right there. Because I don't want to go back to being that young person no more. Well, you're not anymore. <laughs> you're not that person anymore. You're not that person anymore. So, so it takes time, really, to reintegrate. That's the other piece of this. Mm-hmm. It does take time, and it takes communication, and it takes understanding by all to come together and realize that this person has changed. So, Saeed, hold that thought. Let's get a few words from our good friends at the MHA Vet to Vet, and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
It's time once again for our Hudson Valley SITREP report. Joining me again this week is Anthony Cavars, Program Director of vet to vet and Devin Ariana. How are you, Devin? I'm good, Uncle Mike. How are you doing? Anthony, what are you doing over there? Are you behaving? I'm behaving. All right. Trying to. What do we got going on this week? So we got our uh, annual uh, sunset picnic coming up at Bodwin Park. You know, last year we weren't able to do it, but this, we're back on track this year. Um, it's going to be at the Pavilion 5 in the Bodwin Park uh, from 4 to 8 p.m. Um, and you're going to be there yep. as usual. And, you know, we have music and food. and It's free for the vets. The only thing is um, if you want to come, you have to give us a call um, and let us know because there's only, you know, it's filling up quite fast. So, And, and it should fill up, Anthony, because it's one of those events where everybody gets something out of it. I mean, I have a great time every time I go. And it's always amazing when you sit down 50 or 60 or 80 or however many veterans you have there that don't know each other. And then it comes time, you know, what, what's the hours from 4 to 8? So it comes time at 7.30 or so, we start kind of making the, you know, okay, we're going to have to wrap this thing up, and nobody wants to leave. Yeah. yeah Everybody hangs hang out, out. And, and a lot of times, even after we're all packed up, and there's still people yeah, there's hanging still out people talking there. to each other, yeah. which yeah. is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful spot, so, you know. Nothing wrong with that. So, but the, the, the you know the, the friendship, you know these guys don't know each other, but they have a common background, and once they start talking, the stories start coming out. You hear some really funny stories, and uh, and it's really uh, it, it's really an amazing event. I'll be there playing music. I always try to get one of the artists I know to show up and play, which we'll work on again this year. And uh, the food is phenomenal, and again. You know, the, the friendship and, and the conversation is just uh, irreplaceable. This is very important. Again, it's July 30th, uh, Bowdoin Park. That's right. In, it's in Poughkeepsie, right? That's right off Route, uh, Route 9 in Poughkeepsie. Yep. From 4 to 8 p.m. Uh, the food is incredible. But as Anthony made the point, you got to register now because they're running out of spots. They can only have so many people. And again, it's uh, mhaduchess.org, vet to vet. Is that where they register? No, they're actually going to call. So oh, they're going to call it RSVP. So okay. that number is 845-473-2500, extension 1306. Again, they could just call and RSV their spot. Give it again, the phone number? Yeah, so it's 845-473-2500, extension 1306. All right, guys, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next week, all right? All right, Absolutely. thank you, Uncle Mike. Thank you. Welcome back. I'm speaking with the retired U.S. Army Sergeant Major Saeed Mustafa. So let's talk about the book just a little bit okay. because it, to me, just your short description of it, it's a very important book that you've written That's because right. no matter how many programs we have out there, they're not reaching anywhere near the number of veterans we should be reaching. We're doing better, but we got a long, long way to go. And there's a lot of veterans that aren't being reached, but with a book, if you can get that book out there in the right hands, even if that doesn't do it all together for him, it gets him that, in that, well, maybe I, maybe I do need help. Or maybe right. Maybe there is a way I can handle this. And maybe I can, you know, let, let's, let's, God forbid, keep them from getting to a point where they, they, they don't, they, they end up killing themselves because they can't handle it anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that's what you're describing. That's where most of this ends up if they don't get help, unfortunately. Well, i tell you something. Um, you touch on a a spot that's kind of near and dear to me because of the fact that you know, I had a good friend uh, in the military that we both met at Fort Lee, Virginia. We were sergeants, young sergeants. He was coming from the artillery background. I was coming from ordnance, and we were changing our MOS to become logistics, and MOS means military occupational specialty. Mm-hmm. So me and this guy somehow just clicked. He came from Detroit. I came from New York, and we were just like brothers. 
unbeknownst to us, six, seven, eight months later, we're going to see each other again in Korea and in the same unit. So we had two or three years together where we cultivated this friendship, and then that lasted for a lifetime. Well, my friend got out before me. He did 26 years of service, and he retired and went back to Detroit. I fortunately was able to continue on by making so our major. But then we, I ran into a mutual friend after he was after Orlando Simmons was out, and, and he says, hey, did you hear about your friend? I said, no, I didn't hear about him. He says, uh, I said, I've been meaning to call him, though, because he's been on my mind. He said he blew his brains out. Hmm. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. Not this, but not my friend. I, can, I couldn't understand. I started to Google and look for all kind of information. There's nothing on my friend. And I said, I cannot understand it, how that is possible until I got out. Yeah. Until I got out. Sure. Then I, then I understood how a person could fall into that despair. I didn't personally get suicidal, but I could understand. And, and so that's why I work so hard and passionately to save. If we could save one person, I feel like I've done something. That's And that's true. That's the way it's got to work, one at a time. But, you know, we've got to get the message out there. We've got to get rid of this stigma. Uh, there's been so many advances. One of the things I thought was really great, Adam, I, I talked about earlier, they had a program where they were bringing law enforcement in and teaching law enforcement how to deal with a veteran suffering from PTS. They get a call Somebody's having a bad day. Maybe they're drunk. Maybe they're on drugs. Maybe not. But they're in a situation where now the police have been called in. And if you don't handle that veteran correctly, you're going to escalate that situation fast. There's a lot of veterans that are probably in jail that shouldn't be in jail. That's right. Because they were suffering from PTS and they were handled the wrong way. And they did what they were trained to do. They, they defended themselves yeah, yeah. And, and ended up, you know... Obviously, if you're, you're you're confronted with a police officer and you go after, there's going to be a problem. Going to be a problem. But if the police officer understands that it's, it's a PTS situation and knows the right way to go in, you know, don't touch him. Don't you know? There's just right. the techniques they taught him. And I got to tell you, ninety nine percent of the police officers were happy and 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 grateful that they went through this course because all of a sudden. And a lot of police officers are veterans. Yes, that's right. And all of a sudden, it was stuff they had never dawned on before that they should have been doing. Yeah. And, and so that's the kind of thing that we've got to get out there. We've got to start training everyone. You know, if you see a veteran, you know, and it's somebody that he's acting a little oddly. He's not acting oddly because he wants to. That's right. He's doing what he feels he needs to do. And, and we got to get that stigma gone. That's the, the conflict sometimes where people see behaviors that they don't understand and they just label them as crazy or whatever. Uh, versus you know, somebody who's experienced trauma and they're just struggling to get a new normal. Sure. So so your point is well taken. You're absolutely right. Law enforcement, I, my experience with those guys, you know, champions out there, many times I've come in contact with, you know, I'm dealing with somebody who served themselves, and they are usually very understanding about, you know, the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so I've never had a personal problem with those guys. But now I've had one of my former soldiers, a driver of mine, who's from Cleveland, Ohio, that uh, I went back to see him get married uh, a couple years ago. But then, you know, unfortunately, some alcohol problems caused some issues for him. And uh, and one too many, you know, landed him almost in the slammer. And I say almost only because the place where he comes from had a diversionary program where versus put him in jail, they put him in treatment. Sure. And right now he's in culinary school, seems to be doing you know, pretty good for himself. But that's a that's an interesting situation too. You know, that, that's great that that program is there. But putting him in treatment, he's got to want to be in treatment. Got to want it. 
and and just putting him. It's great that they didn't put him in jail because that yeah. just would have made it worse That's and escalated right. the situation. But putting him into treatment may not. It did work. It appears because yeah. he he decided so far so he, good. He's decided that he wants to get better. Yeah. He wants to move on. But a lot of people, you know, all right, well, that's better than going to jail, but that doesn't mean they're going to take no, the treatment seriously. It's a lot of work, and it's part of that work is internal, the bulk of it, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is us accepting that, that there's something broken. I'm speaking with retired Sergeant Major Saeed Mustafa, who has written a new book called Resilient Transition. It's dealing with bringing soldiers all the way home. Is what I it's like that. With. That's, that's, that's really <laughs> what it's dealing with. And if you get the book, and how, first of all, how did I get the book? It's going to be on Amazon on 1 August, okay. so they could go online. Uh, after it comes out on uh, electronic book format in uh, Amazon, I'm going to do some book signings here in the Hudson oh, okay. Valley Good. area. Good. Yeah. yeah. We'll promote that. We'll make yeah. sure we, okay. we get out there and see you. But uh, the book, it, it, it's, it's got a lot of your personal That's right. stories in there, which is important. People need to relate to yeah. what really happened. But it gives, it, I think from what, what you've been telling us, it gives... A, a soldier the tools to deal with it yes you, you you're probably never going to be healed because you and you just you, earlier on you you did exactly what happens is it, it brought you back to a place just you talking but you have the tools you understand how to when you when that happened you knew how to handle it that's right a lot of guys and girls don't have that tool and that's what this book is that's what the book is about give you some tools to be able to handle it that's, Absolutely. that's amazing really yes i think uh we're going to get out there and really work hard to to reach uh, as many people as possible, Uncle Mike, especially with guys like yourself helping. Uh, and thank you. You talk about you didn't serve. I believe you serve in a way that you now help us. Well, you know, I I am grateful for my freedom because of what you guys did. And and I I didn't I didn't serve at the time I was uh, of age. The Vietnam War had ended. My brother, who did two tours in Vietnam, uh, was ready to fight me. I thought I talked about going in and he's like, no, you, no there's way. no reason. My father was in World War II. I served in Vietnam. We did our part. I don't want you to go in because he had a he had a bad time in Vietnam. Yeah. He, he's gone now. I lost him uh, three years ago. Wow. Uh, from from Agent Orange is what hmm. killed him. They won't admit it, but that's what killed him. He spent the last 16 years of his life in a hospital because it affected his brain. It, it, it was, you know, he was in Montrose. At the New York State Home for Combat Veterans, oh, wow. and they treated him like a king in there. What a great, what a great institution! The, a lot of the nurses are veterans, and and everybody treated him with a respect. Yes, and they got him stabilized, and he had as good of a life as you're going to have in an institution. They took really good care of him. He, he enjoyed, you know, the people. Oh, that I'm happy with. to hear that. But, you know, so I never had the honor, but I never understood. First of all, the guys from Vietnam, I never understood why the country did what they did to them. I was younger then when that happened, and I, I couldn't understand it. You know, Regardless of how you feel about the politics involved with the war, these men and women were willing to rest, risk their lives for strangers to keep this country free. That, to me, that's all you need to know. That's right. Put the politics over here. You know, it's a famous saying, it's, it's about the warrior, it's not about the war. And, Listen, and, and, some of them gave their entire adult lives uh, if you if you look from the time you go in 17 18 19 come out maybe if you come out you know right and then some may come out like myself 50 but my whole adult life was there then there's others who they don't make it they die at 19 or 20 uh for their country mm-hmm. that's a big sacrifice and 
but you know, not just the Vietnam guys. Most, you know, you know, okay, maybe World War II they got the ticker tape parade, and you know what? That's great and everything, but that really isn't much either when you think about what they went through. Yes, and, and that's great. The ticker tape parade lasts for an hour, and what about the next forty years exactly. that they've got? Those guys, you know, the World War One, World War Two guys, the Korean guys. They suffered from PTS, but nobody knew nobody what it was. Nobody knew what it was. They told them, you know, pick up your pants and go back to work and, and you know, pull up your bootstraps and, and just forget about it. And, and, of course, a lot of them. You know, you make a great point, and I find it interesting that even during my lifetime, 30 years of service, I was at the Gulf War. Mm-hmm. Well, when we came back, well, I talked about PTS, though I did any assessments. Now, the uh, Iraqi Freedom, years later, when I went back to Somalia or some other places, then we had these systems to try to catch some of these mm. issues. But the first time, no discussion. You know, the other thing that's interesting, too, you think about the earlier wars. Everybody wore uniforms, and there was this team and that team. Now, when you got into Vietnam and what you guys went through in the Gulf Wars, you had civilians. You didn't know who the enemy Couldn't was. Couldn't tell one from the other. And, and, and especially in your case with the Gulf War, when you have the religious side of it, in, where you're, when your enemy is— not only willing to die, but glorifying dying, you can't win that battle. Challenge. So, Challenge. so I mean, you Different had that on top set. of it. And then I, I still say, too, what they did in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, deploying our our heroes so many times was so detrimental. You, you, can't, you can't do that to a human being. I don't care how tough. It's unnatural. Yeah. That's all I will say. Yeah. For somebody to leave, to go in harm's way for that sustained period of time under duress, and then expect to come back normal. That's one part, him or her. But then what about their family? Sure. We lost a lot of uh, families as a result. Sure, sure. Well, and, and and finally people are starting to realize that. But, you know, it, it, you know and again, our government just doesn't, uh, you know, the government is the government. It's a machine and it, it does what it needs to do to survive, I guess. And unfortunately, our, our veterans are the collateral damage. Well, you know, that's why are. I say, Uncle Mike, that, that the government— is not going to be able to solve this problem that we're talking about today about veterans and their wellness and their mental health and their uh, the the suicide prevention type of deal. They can put some services out there, and they have done some good things. But what I'm saying is they're not going to solve the problem. It's going to be people. It's going to be the folks back home that receive these heroes when they come back that care enough. Like me, one of the best things I could have did is go back to my hometown, and my hometown showed me a lot of love. Good. So, so then the people, like I went, my school teacher, uh, I'm in touch with my Little League baseball coach to this day. Wow. We talk probably once a week. That's huge. <laughs> That's huge. And we only got about a minute or so okay. left. Um, so the book is going to be out on August 1st That's on right. Amazon. Uh, it's called Resilient Transition, and the author is Saeed Mustafa, who I'm going to have back again because we got a lot more to talk about. Okay. And definitely, once you start getting out there signing books, we got to promote for that. For sure. And we got a lot of veterans we got to get this book in the hand of. That's right. And, and I got to do that honor flight with you, too. Yeah. Because we've been talking about that for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming up. We're going to fly again. They're going to start flying in October and November. We're going to do a flight out of Stewart and one out of Westchester for the first really? time in two years. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll remind you when we okay. get closer. But uh, so now that you've written the book and it's it's done. And writing a book is, is, is a process. That's right. Quite a process. Now that you've written it and it's done, that had to help you. It had to make you feel Very better therapeutic. once you wrote it. Very therapeutic. Like you said, I t- talked about my friend that I just shared the story with you because I don't talk about him much publicly like that. 
but I used to struggle with the fact that maybe I should have called him. I did something. I, I, mean, I, I let him down. Mm-hmm. But now I found that by writing about him, it keeps him alive. And, and so those are examples of how this was therapeutic for me. It not only keeps him alive, but there's thousands of others out there just like him who are on the verge when they hear your story and they hear what then they, they realize somebody does care. That may be just enough to keep them from doing that. And that's what you got to hope for. That's what I hope for. You know, at least, at least get an opportunity to try to help them. Yes. Because there's thousands out there, you know, as well as I do that are just isolated in this pandemic. Oh my God, the isolation this pandemic caused anybody in treatment. Oh, forget about it. Because yes. now isolation is the worst thing that can happen. Absolutely. And we were certainly isolated for a good year there. You know, you saw probably on a movie or two during your lifetime, somebody in solitary confinement. I used to think, well, how bad is that? They put you in somewhere by yourself. Now we know, right? Yeah. That isolation, human beings are not designed like that. No, no. We're social. Especially soldiers. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're social beings. Yeah. So to have battle buddy or someone that you can connect with. Got to be uh, able to relate important. to somebody. That's true. That's right. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. Oh, it was a pleasure. It's, great it's good to see, to see you. you again, and we're going to do this. We'll do this again real soon. Actually, right before the book comes out, I'll have you back, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But thanks for writing the book, and thanks for what you're doing, because there's there's hundreds of thousands of soldiers that need people like yourself who are going to at least, let's at least get them some help and get them in that direction and try to bring them all the way home, because there's so many of them that just give up. Unfortunately, we can't have that. Yeah. You you can't do what you did for this country and have this country turn your back on them. That, that's just not right. And it's not acceptable. And we can't let it happen. Absolutely. Anymore. I concur. Thank you so much, Uncle Mike. God bless you and God bless our troops. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you. We'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Clearview Hudson Valley. And I want to remind you that all the episodes are available on the Clearview Hudson Valley podcast, available at iHeartRadio.com. I'm Uncle Mike, and if I don't see you out and about, I'll catch you on the radio. Have a great week, everyone.